What's up, everybody? This is Mike Isicki, tight end for the Miami Dolphins, and welcome to the All-Star Sports Podcast with your hosts, Gabe and Rafi. Hello, hello, and sorry we weren't able to get out our um, usual Tuesday episode, but we're going to return the favor here. We are going to have two days in a row with an episode uploaded, um, and to make up for that, so to start off, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. The Buccaneers beat the Chiefs 31 to 9. Yeah. Gabe, you want to start off on this? I'm sure you all you all knew that, but I think uh, it's just Buccaneer domination. I mean the Bucks offensive game plan was fantastic, I think. And they, they were able to pick on Kansas City's weak coverage linebackers and the run game. They're repeatedly getting Leonard Fournette to the and second Louis level. And was hurt, one of their starters. Right. But they were repeatedly getting Leonard Fournette to the second level. He was working against undersized defenders. Yeah. I mean, Gronk, yeah. Fournette, Cameron Brake combined for 13 receptions, 139 yards. One thing I want to say is people are giving Mahomes too much blame on this. It was not Mahomes' fault. Yeah, Mahomes didn't do great because he went 29 for 49 with 270 yards and two picks. But if you're counting Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who opted out this year, the Chiefs had four out of five of their starting alignment hurt. I wouldn't count him, so they had three out of five. But Mike Remmers, who in his career has played offensive tackle but played offensive guard this year. Yeah, um, Mike Mike. Mike Remmers has had some historic Super Bowl performances, and for the worse, this this year played horribly. And in 2015, when he was with the Panthers, yeah, played horribly. Yeah, he was forced to play tackle this year. But you look, they had a terrible O line, and he was playing with turf toe, which he had surgery on a couple of days ago. Right. I mean, one thing, one thing. I mean, Travis Kelsey had a great game. He had ten receptions for 133 yards. Hill had seven receptions. Tyreek Hill for 73 yards, which sounds good, but it was all at the end of the game. Like right. They were all patterned on. Not doing good. Right. One thing is, I mean, Edwards Hilaire had nine carries for 64 yards, which averaged 77.1 per carry. And I know the Chiefs run it like maybe the least out of any team in the NFL. But at this point, when your pass game just isn't working and your pass blocking has been that bad, they should have ran it more. I mean, Edwards Alaire had a good game. He averaged 7.1 per carry. But right. they should have run the ball more. I agree with that. But I think the biggest thing, I'm going to name the three things that hurt the Chiefs the most, penalties, drops, and the offensive yeah. line. And granted – the refs had a couple bad calls, but I think there were only two calls that were really important. It was the P.I. on Tyron Matthew and the holding on that pick. But you take away those two touchdowns, even give give the Chiefs that one touchdown on the pick, the, the Bucks still win. Yeah, I agree. Um, but the Chiefs, 95 penalty yards on eight penalties in the first half. That's a Super Bowl record. I mean, yeah. Tyreek Hill dropped what would have been a touchdown. Uh, Travis Kelsey dropped a surefire first down. Daryl Williams dropped a fourth down conversion. Nicole Hardman had at least 
had like two I mean, passes that sailed that, right over his head just yeah, because I he mean, wasn't looking. That for that Mahomes pass to Tyreek Hill where he just ran out a bunch on the run from the sideline and then just chucked it up sixty yards for a perfect pass that Tyreek Hill dropped was like one of the best plays I've ever seen. Yeah, Hill dropped you, it. Right, you can partially blame this loss on Patrick Mahomes, but he he did not have a bad game. Yeah. I mean, one thing is they got great pressure on Mahomes. Mahomes is usually amazing against the blitz, but when you have turf toe, that's definitely not it because he wasn't scrambling. I mean, he was running back so far, but he wasn't running outside of the pocket as nearly as well. They got great pressure on Mahomes, and the secondary shut shut their receivers down. Besides, right, that, they were Kelsey able to Tyree Kill at the end of the game. They shut him down. Right, they were able to eliminate Tyree Kill pretty much completely for majority of the game with yeah. the double teams, without letting up Travis Kelsey, because that's what happens a lot of times when you play the Chiefs. You double Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey's open. You double Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill open, but they were able to keep both of them in check, which completely shuts down the Chiefs' offense. And then, I mean, the Bucks O-line had a great game. They only let up one sack the whole game, which was from Frank Clark. And yet, I mean, sacks and interceptions, that was their only thing the whole game. They had one sack, no interceptions. Right. Um, but. And then Tom Brady had a very good game. He went 21 for 29 with 201 yards and three TDs with no picks. I mean, it's Brady in the Super Bowl. You know he's going to play well. And one thing is, Leonard, unlike the Chiefs, I mean, Clyde edwards had a great game, but they didn't run it with him as much. You look at Leonard Fournette. He had a great game, 16 carries for 89 yards, averaging 5.6 per carry. Right. For carry. Even Ronald Jones, who their backup, who did almost have a thousand yards this year because he was their starter for most of the year. But right. he got twelve carries for sixty one yards, averaging five point one yards per carry. I mean, Ronald Jones got more carries than the Chiefs starter, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Right. Uh, I think you can blame this loss. Another big thing is the Chiefs play calling, as you've been saying, right? When your running back is having a good game, I don't care how big of an air raid offense you are, you feed him the ball. Yeah, and it's just that their passing game wasn't working. Right. Mainly because of the O-line, but... When the thing yeah. that normally works isn't working, and the thing that you, that doesn't you, normally you gotta work, have, you working, you got to be able to switch it up, especially got, in the Super Bowl. you got to have a plan B. Right. They just the Chiefs just weren't prepared for their right. passing game to not work because their passing their, their game plan kind of looked their like their game has worked every game of the year, so they just weren't ready for it to not work. Right. Their their game plan kind of looked like, you know what, let Mahomes throw the ball fifty times, he'll complete sixty percent of them, there'll be touchdowns, we'll win. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that just didn't work. Right. Mainly because of the pass rush, turf toe. But, I mean, you look at the Bucks receivers. Gronk had a great game with six receptions for 67 yards and two TDs. Big part of that, I think, is just when it comes to the Super Bowl, Brady trusts Gronk the most. Uh-huh. He's with him so many times in the Super Bowl. Their second-best receiver was Leonard Fournette, who had four receptions for 46 yards. Right. But the big thing was their defense. They held the Chiefs to nine points. They had – two picks and three sacks and consistently got amazing pass rush. Right. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was pressured on nearly every single play of the game, right? Yeah. The, the the offensive line, they were riddled with injuries, but they could not perform no matter what. Uh, I mean, the, the Buccaneers have an amazing pass rush. 
Yeah, they do right? have like Shaq Baird and JPP off the edge. I mean, JPP is getting old, but he still had a great game. Right. I mean, and then Vita Vey and Ndamukong Sir yeah, down the middle. It's been great for them having Vita Vey back. Right. It's been huge. The Bucks defense. Uh, I think they're still serious contenders next year if they can keep Chris Godwin. Yeah. I mean, it was this year. Um, you know, interesting, like, um, thing, stat, if you, that's what you want to call it. But this was the first game Mahomes played ever where his team didn't get a touchdown. Not just NFL. In high school, college, and the NFL – Mahomes never had a game where his team didn't score a touchdown until this, this Super Bowl. That's uh, yeah, that's absurd. It's insane. Right, but college in the NFL. Right. It's crazy. Right, but yeah, the Chiefs had to consistently resort to so many screens, so many dump off passes to try to keep the pass rush pinning his ears from putting the, its ears back, but that did not work. Mahomes yeah. just really looked like he was running for his life on every play of the game. Which you can't do when you have turf toe. I mean, yeah, obviously the Bucks dominated. Not as good of a game as we thought it would be. Thought it would be closer, but... I thought, yeah, I thought this had, like, top five Super Bowl potential. I mean, yeah, I mean, we both predicted the Chiefs to win. Right. Yeah, and it was Bucks domination. Really not the smartest thing to no. bet against Tom Brady. Bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. All right. So, so um, let's move on here. We there have been has every vacant head coach spot been filled in the NFL, I think. Yeah. Every vacant head coach spot in the NFL has now been filled. So we are gonna go through each of them and give our thoughts. So Ruffy, why don't you kick us off with your so, first one? Um, my first one was Robert Sala. Um, the Jets hired him. I think it was a great hiring. He was one of the best DCs and the defensive coordinators in the league for the 49ers, debatably the best defensive coordinator in the league. The, obviously, the biggest question about him is how he does on offense, but if he gets the right coordinators and coaches around him, let them run that offense and have him focus on the defense, I think that'll be a great hiring. Again, the only right. thing about it is if they get a quarterback, will he be able to coach his quarterback? But, um, yeah. Right. Um, I'm not going to count the 2020 season because their defense and their entire team, the Niners' entire team, riddled with injuries. But in 2019, Niners' defense, sixth in the league in forced turnovers, second in total defense, first in powers, fourth in sacks. It was the first time since 2003 Niners were able to finish top 10 in scoring and yards per game on defense. Sala helped lead a 49ers defense, which was a major part in a Super Bowl berth. But, yeah, yeah I think it was, a, it was a great hire. Yeah. Next um, hire, so. Brandon Staley. I think it was a pretty good hiring. I mean, he was, this past year he was the coordinator for the best defense in the league. In my opinion, the Rams had the best defense in the league. I think they'll have the best defense in the league next year. And so I think it was a good hiring. Um, again, biggest thing is what's he going to be able to do with Herbert? 
you know, is he going to be able to groom Herbert right. into an amazing quarterback? Again, key thing, get these – with defensive coordinators, key thing, get these right. offensive coach, good offensive coaches around him. Right. He's never been an offensive coach. I mean, he's been coaching at – since 2006. I mean, he's Sala. Right. If he's been coaching since 2006, starting at Northern Illinois, and he's never been a defensive coach. Or offensive no. Offensive coach, excuse me. Rams coordinator, they were first in points, first in total yards allowed. I think they also, I also think they had the best defense in the league this year. Yeah. I think it was a very good hire going across, across the city to get, or not even across the city, across the stadium to get Brandon Staley. um, Next one is Urban Meyer. This is an interesting one. Obviously, we all know Urban Meyer as an amazing college coach for Ohio State. Right. I mean, he he won three championships with them, um, made them consistently one of the best teams in college football. Um, First of all, it still remains to be seen about his health. Right. Right? Like, I mean, he had a brain aneurysm a couple years ago, I think. And, I mean – I don't know if he's an NFL type coach. There's a lot of like legendary college coaches that just haven't been that good in the NFL. Right. Nick Saban wasn't great in the NFL when he went and he's the best college football coach in history. Right. I mean there are a few that panned out, but most of them, most massive college football coaches don't go well in the NFL. Yeah, I mean this is, I think this is a big boomer bust one. It could turn out being really well. Right. Uh, it could definitely turn out not being there. Right. The biggest thing is it brings up the very, 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 very slim possibility that the Jaguars take Justin Fields, but yeah. I doubt it. I mean, Urban Meyer never had Justin Fields. Or- right, but the Ohio State is still. I mean, all right. Next hiring, David Coley. Coley? Coley. Um, it was a terrible. I don't know much about him. It was a terrible. Okay, so he was the Ravens receivers coach. The Ravens wide receivers coach has been like the weakest, or not coach. The Ravens receivers have been like the weakest part of our team for years. Right. Why would you hire their coach? I mean, was it because he was the only person that would take the job? Right, take the. In my opinion, the worst. Yeah, I mean, not coach. just your opinion. I think in everyone's opinion. Right, he's been coaching since 1978 at the college level and since 1994 at the professional level, but he has never been more than an assistant coach, right? He's always been a wide receivers coach. He was the Buffalo Bills quarterbacks coach in 2017 with Tyrod Taylor, which ended up him getting fired, then drafting Josh Allen. Obviously, that worked out pretty well for him. Ravens have – yeah. One of the worst wide receiver cores in football. I mean, yeah, our best receiver this year was Willie Sneed. So definitely didn't have, definitely didn't was, bring Hollywood Brown to his potential. Right. I mean, this was just I think this a was a, not a good hiring. Um, the next hiring was Dan Campbell. I mean, we can all agree he was very enthusiastic. Yeah, that was a, It was an interesting hiring. first yeah. press conference, but. Um, I mean, he was was tight ends coach with the Saints. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't had a lot of experience. I mean, he was a tight ends coach. He's only right. 
He's um, only been a coach with since 2010, where he was an interim with the Dolphins. It was a tight ends coach, and then, but he was an interim head coach in 2015. He went five and seven. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it could turn out well. I don't know much about him, but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I learned a lot about him after the first. First head coach. What was the whole thing with that again? It was he. He just had some really weird analogies with something to do with kneecaps. Don't really know what it was, but. <laughs> All right. So next one was Falcons hired Arthur Smith, um, was the offensive coordinator for the Titans, and this was I think a good hiring. We saw what he did with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. Right. One thing is especially so in my opinion Zach Wilson is the second best quarterback in this draft not Justin Fields but um um he called an exciting offense with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill but especially if they do end up with Zach Wilson then it's a great hiring because Zach Wilson is a very similar player to Ryan Tannehill I mean, he's mm-hmm. a mobile player, but is good in the pocket, good at getting out of the pocket, but throwing it. And then if they get Justin Fields, too, because he's a very mobile guy, more mobile than Tannehill, and Wilson, more of a pure mobile guy. Right. But, Arthur uh, Smith is also a younger guy. He's 38. He's also the son of the founder of FedEx, which I learned today, which is pretty cool. Mm. But that's besides the point. He was able to transform Derrick Henry into arguably the best running back in football. I think the best running back in football. Um, he was able to make Ryan Tannehill what his potential was with yeah, I mean, Adam finally Gase, finding his niche with the play-action offense. Adam Gase ruined Ryan Tannehill. Adam Gase ruined everyone. Yeah. But, Yeah. Yeah. Next, I think it was a really good hire. Yeah, next and last hiring was Nick Sirianni. Um, I actually, you know, he was um, um, he was the wide receivers coach for the Colts. Um, and then he, I think he was the QBs coach last year, I believe. Mm, um, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I actually like Nick Sirianni. I don't usually like getting position coaches to um, straight to head coach, but I do like Sirianni. He made Philip Rivers look okay. I mean, Philip Rivers, yeah, Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers had a huge step from his last year in the Chargers with this year in the Colts, and that is partly to Sir because of Sirianni. T.Y. Hilton had some of his best had like one of his best years when he was the wide receivers coach. And he is just, I think, a pretty good football mind. And when he's talked about football, he seems like he knows what he's doing. And I think he, this could definitely be. I, I very much disagree with you. I think this is a really, really poor hiring by the Eagles. His, in his first, first interview, first interview with the team, he looked like a pup. He looked like, what Doug Peterson was for many, many years before he kind of realized, and that's what the main part of the downfall was with Doug Peterson and the Eagles. That I mean, Doug Peterson brought them a Super Bowl, Gabe. Yes. Doug, no, Doug Peterson brought them a Super Bowl, but Doug Peterson was a puppet. 
And they're doing the same thing with Nick Sirianni. He was completely undecisive on the quarterback situation, which is the biggest thing that the Philadelphia Eagles have right now. He did not sound confident in his decisions whatsoever. I think it was a bad hiring. I don't know much about him, but just off of that interview, bad hiring. All right, so going to our next segment. Um, uh, now, I watch a lot of college basketball, and – you can't not notice this year that a lot of very good teams um, just aren't doing nearly as well this year. I mean, the Duke, um, UNC, and Kentucky, obviously, I'm a huge Duke fan. I'm very disappointed in how they've played this year. Um And, yeah, so I think we, we want to go into why. First of all, one thing you have to look at is all of those teams besides, and Michigan State's also been bad. All of those teams besides Michigan State are young, like freshman, sophomore teams. Right. And they just haven't been as good this year because there was no training camp. They haven't gotten to like mesh as a team. Right. And normally with these big school freshman classes, they do all right. Right, because they are all top 100 prospects, pretty much. Right, they are all insanely talented and basketball players. That's why they're going to these schools. But with no training camp and with no real opportunity to get to know the rest of your team and really warm up, because high school basketball and ACC basketball are a massive change, right? But and I mean, I want to dive into. To start off with my favorite team, um, the Duke Blue Devils. Now, usually you see Duke get, like, a top 10, even top 5 recruit. Duke didn't get that this year. Duke's best recruit was Jalen Johnson, who, according to ESPN, was the number 13 player in the country. Now, Jalen Johnson's been very been good, but, like, usually do you see someone get um, better than – our next best person, like, in their top 100 was Jeremy Roach. But the person that's definitely been our next best guy is DJ Stewart. He has been very good. Great shooter and good on defense. I think he's really just a 3 and D, good 3 and D guy. He is also a pretty good passer, and he's been good. But then you got Jeremy Roach at 19. Um, fine player. Ha- hasn't done what we thought he would do. And then that's it in the top 30. And one thing is you have to hope, you know, these DJ Stowe stewards and Jeremy Roaches stay and then get another training camp and we can become somewhat of a veteran team with top prospects. I mean, even the guys like after 30, like Jaron Brakefield, Mark Williams, Henry Coleman, you hope these guys can just stay and then um, – and create just a better all-around, like, team chemistry-wise. Right. I I think there will be a lot more freshmen who would probably be drafted who will be staying for another year, simply because kind of they were not robbed of a season because they're obviously still playing one, but college basketball is one of the most – They robbed of a training camp. Right. They are robbed of a training camp. They are robbed of a real first-season experience, right, meeting all your new teammates. And – Right, a big reason you go to these massive schools is the fans, yeah. right? 
It's a massive fan I mean, base. it was weird to watch Duke Carolina without the Cameron crazies. Right. But you, you watch – you go to these big schools and you, you, you want to go to these big schools. Some, a big reason for that is the environment and is the fans where you are and, treated and, like a kid. And to play for Coach K. I'm not specifically talking about Duke, but it, it's the well. I mean, even you're treated by John, a kid, right? That's obviously a massive. That's obvious. Play, play for John Calipari. Play for Roy Williams. Right. But um, you, you get these these royal type experiences that you're not getting this year. Yeah. Right. You're not getting all the fancy equipment. You're not getting to take in your first real taste of kind of like professional basketball. Right, it's not professional basketball because it's college. But when you go to Duke and and you're you go to Duke to play basketball, yeah. Right. I mean, I think the biggest surprise has been Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky I had the number seven prospect in BJ Boston, number ten prospect, number twenty six prospect, thirty four, forty six, and sixty one. They had a good amount of prospects. Yes, they lost Tyrese Maxey, their best player last year. But and they lost Emmanuel quickly. But those are good prospects, and I think the the not having training camp has hurt them. But that doesn't make you five and thirteen. Like there's something wrong with this team that they're having all of these good prospects and they're just not playing well. Right. You can find excuses for teams like Duke and UNC. There are no real excuses for Kentucky here, right? Other than the fact that they had no training camp, they are they had an excellent thirteen. Right. They had an excellent recruiting class as normal, right? Uh, both, right? Like, they were the they came into the season as the number 10, but Kentucky is 5-13. They're heading to what looks like the first losing season, season since 1989, and only it's second in 94 years, which is wild to think. I mean, yeah, well, the reason but, they had it in 89 was there was the whole cheating scandal about playing the players, and they, you know, were put out of, um, playing tournament ball and playoff basketball and televised games for a couple of years. And so these uh, they're good players were, were asked, you know, you can play for this team that um, you're not going to be able to play in the playoffs or you can transfer. And a lot of them transferred. Now, of course, that same team ended up getting led by Rick Pitino to make some championships game and then lose to Duke at, at a later shot. But, um, but, um, and that was because of, you know, the bench warmers that stayed on that team that it turned out to be good. But the fact that they've had one losing season because of a cheating scandal, and then um, in 94 years they haven't had another one is crazy, and then they're just going to have one this year? Like, right. Right. There, you can come up with excuses for Duke. You can kind of come up with excuses for UNC, although I'm, I'm separating UNC from the rest of this group. They are still massively underperforming, but not Quite as much as UNC is not a tournament team. UNC has the potential to be a tournament team right now. They have potential to. Be, I think they have a shot at the ten seed. Honestly, they're seven and four in the ACC, with with games versus rank, versus ranked opponents coming up. They 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 can afford to miss out on on a res on a resume building win. I mean but. UNC this recruiting class they got twelve. 
No, I... 14, they got 18. But Caleb Love, I mean, he had a great game against Duke. He hasn't been playing that well over a season. I mean, their guys just aren't playing as well. Their best player has probably been Garrison Brooks, who's been with Carolina for a couple of years now. Right. And I mean, but... the next one, um, you got to look at, I think, Michigan State. I mean, Carolina has a good... You look at Michigan State. They didn't have anyone in the top 39 in recruiting. Michigan State just didn't have a good recruiting class. I mean, their best was number 40, Maddie Sissoko, and then their next best was 64 and A.J. Hoggard. Or Hoggard. Like, um, you know, they, they just didn't have a good recruiting class. Yeah. Yeah, right? I, the reason I'm not bringing Michigan State into this is the reason you said that they had an excellent? They did not have a good recruiting class. They are usually me. good, right? They are usually a top four seed, but they did not have a good recruiting class. They lost a lot of key players in the draft. Yeah, I mean, they uh, keep, you, like Aaron Henry, but right. But the UNC, the, the UNC Duke Kentucky not being as good, it's pretty uncalled for. But the but Michigan's underperforming is, in my opinion, not that strange. I mean, yeah. Right? You can kind you could you can see many reasons why they would not be able to perform up to their yeah. normal ability this year. I mean, there's definitely something going on with these teams that are usually good this year. I mean, it was the first time since 1960 that there was a Duke Carolina game where neither teams were ranked, which is insane. First time for 61 years, right. I guess, which is crazy. Yeah. But there's clearly something going on. Right. I mean, I want to point out this that in his first 40 seasons, Coach K averaged 1.7 home defeats per season. Duke's already lost four times at Cameron Indoor this season. Yeah, I mean, right. Duke's just not very good this year. Duke's, they're not a tournament team. Our best chance at making the tournament is winning the ACC championship, which will be, like, the 11th best team in the ACC. But, I mean, what's crazy is there's just no excuse for, like, Duke being a worse team than Pitt this year. Pitt had one person in the top 100, and that was the 98th John Hugley the fourth. Um, Who's – Good, but not great. He's yeah. I mean, we I, had like the, 13, 19, 25, and we're a much worse team than Pitt. Like, there's and we have Coach right. K. The only excuse is that Pitt is more of a veteran team, but right. Well, Pitt, Pitt is pretty much completely a veteran team, right? One, two, Femi Femi Oka Daily sometimes starts, but mostly only one freshman starter in John Hughes. But uh, Justin Champigny is an excellent sophomore forward. He is arguably the ACC player of the year right now. Xavier Johnson, great senior point guard, is just craftiness and ability to move the ball around and dribble is great. And I, I'm going I'm going all in on pit here. I really but yeah. Yeah. But I mean right. Like John Calipari was one eighty three and eleven in Rupp Arena all time. They're three and five at home this year. They they lost to Alabama by twenty at home. Their most lopsided home loss in thirty two seasons, right? Like Duke Duke went nearly twenty years without losing a non conference game at home. 
They lost two in eight days, including a 50-point loss to Illinois. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, just embarrassing performance after embarrassing performance for these teams. Yeah. All right. So, I guess that wraps up today's episode. Thank you all for listening. This was a shorter one, but we are coming right back at you tomorrow with another episode. Tomorrow is a very exciting episode. We're not going to spoil it, but it's a very exciting one tomorrow. Right. So, yeah. Hope to see you next time. Check out our Instagram at All Star Sports Podcast and our website, www.allstarsportspod.com. We'll see you later. Peace out.